Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Tonight we're going to hear it once again from the minister the Lord has sent to us today, Pastor Chris Tice. He's from North Jersey, or he said this morning he actually called it Central Jersey, but we all know that's actually not a thing. We just know the only people that say that are people that think they're from there. But he's from Howell, New Jersey, and he's from Open Door Baptist Church, and so he did a great job this morning. I know he's going to be a blessing to us tonight. So get your Bibles ready, get your hearts ready. I'm going to pray that the Lord will bless our time, and then Pastor Chris will speak with us this evening. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for how good you've been. Thank you that, Lord, you have just made a way where there never was a way. Thank you for, like we just sang, the, the gospel of Christ, how it doesn't have to be something that we're trapped in, but, Lord, it's something that frees us to be able to live the way that you want us to live. Lord, thank you that we have life in Christ, that we can be happy today, that we can feel like we have abundance of life because we're not living hopeless lives. We're living lives full of hope. And, Lord, I pray tonight as the word of God is preached that our hearts would be encouraged and that we would be completely and totally in tune with whatever it is that you have for us this evening. We love you so much, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, it's good to see you all again tonight. I hope that you feel the same. Is it good to see me? Some of you are not so convincing. Yeah, it's been a tough week, right? It's good to see you, and uh, thank you for inviting us to be here. Again, my wife is with me, and if you weren't here this morning, uh, I just let everybody know we've been, uh, I have the privilege of pastoring in uh, Howell, New Jersey for the last 11 years. We uh, pastored in Philadelphia for 10 years prior to that, where my wife is from, and so God has just blessed us. We have four children. Uh, Two of them are away at college, and so that's a blessing. Um, And so we're kind of going through that. You know, we got half of them away. We got the other ones at home that we wish were also away, but they're still, no, we're just glad uh, just for what the Lord's doing. And uh, I'm just excited to see uh, just your church family and how excited you are about this period of time in ministry. And as we talked about this morning, uh, God can use these waiting times in our lives to build us and to shape us into uh, his image. And I hope that that's your desire and surely that's his This is the will of God, even your sanctification, the Bible says. And so it is God's will for us to become more like him, isn't it? And uh, so let's just pray that God will help us to be more and more like him. Tonight, we're going to talk about growing up, maturing in the Lord from the book of James. And so if you'll join me in the epistle of James, James in chapter number one, and we'll look about halfway uh, in the first chapter there, verse 19. And uh, James, if you don't know much about the book, it's a very practical book written from kind of a pastor's perspective. Um, We know that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, but we also know that God used these unique individuals and the points of views that they had and uh, the context for which they were written to help us to understand also that God's Spirit can teach us no matter where we're from or where we're at. And we know that these are eternal words that God's Spirit has for all of us, 
But as James was writing to this church, <clears throat> this church had problems. Let me uh, just say this from the beginning. All churches have problems. There are no problems. There are no problemless churches because a church is not a place. It is not a building. It is a people. And so people have problems. How many have learned that? Yeah, your neighbor next to you has a problem. It's probably you. No, I'm just kidding. All right, but we all have problems. More people, more problems. And uh, the church uh, has never been without problems, uh, but we always have Jesus, who is the solution to all of our problems. Whenever we have problems, we can turn to Jesus. And James was instructing a church that needed to grow in many different ways. You can read later on in the chapters and the problems they were having. He talks about the problems of the tongue. He talks about gossip and slander and uh, some of the things that come out of us in our immaturity. He talks about where fighting comes from. It comes from in us, our lusts, our desires. And he talks about what helps us to grow. In the first chapter, in the beginning of the chapter, he talks about how trials and tribulations help us to grow. And then he begins to talk to them about really what it means to be a mature believer. Now, we all know that a mature believer, of course, comes to Sunday night church. So automatically, we can tick that mark. We are mature believers, right? We often sometimes will deceive ourselves in believing that we're mature as believers because of the things that we do instead of the people that we are. What helps us to understand whether we're mature or not is that we have a proper standard or a proper comparison. If we compare ourselves among ourselves, the Bible says we're not wise. But who is our standard? Jesus Christ. And when we put him up as our standard, boy, we fall short, don't we? we there's growth yet to be had. All of us need to grow, and the Bible commands us all to grow, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so look at this text in light of what we just said in the context of this book in uh, chapter 1 and verse number 9. He just finished the discourse about tribulations and about trials and about temptations, which come often right after we go through trials and tribulations, and how to overcome lust and desire. And then he says this to us, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man, let every one, every person be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, because of all these things, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls." But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any man be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed." If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religious religion is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Father, we thank you for your word. God, I pray that you would feed us, 
from it tonight. I pray your spirit would be our teacher. God, we yield and submit to your will. God, what you desire to do in us, we're your church. We're the sheep of your pasture. God, we've come tonight to worship you, uh, to consider one another, to provoke one another to love and to good works. It is the reason why we don't forsake assembling together. And God, I pray that that would be accomplished tonight. I pray that as we consider your word, we consider each other, God, that we would leave provoked, not to wrath, but to love and to good works. I pray that we'd be more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. So the emphasis on this section is on the dangers of self-deception. As you finish the chapter, you kind of see that as he presents what it's like to look into the Word of God and what the Word of God reveals about us. A lot of times we use the Word of God in application to others, but the correct way to read the Word of God is to allow it to show us who we are. And it reveals to us perfectly who we are. But we forget easily who we are. We forget who we are in Jesus all the time. How many thankful for who you are in Christ tonight? I'm glad that I am what he says I am, that I am forgiven, that I am complete in him, that I'm fully accepted in him. I'm glad that I'm saved tonight, not because of what I've done, but because of what he has done for me. I'm thankful tonight that I'm righteous, not because I was good, but because I'm clothed in his righteousness and that he's promised to never leave me or forsake me and that nobody can pluck me from my father's hand. A lot of times what we forget is who we are in Jesus, and often as you read the epistles, especially Paul's epistles, before you ever get to the imperatives, you always get the indicatives. He always says, this is who you are in Jesus. Now, because of who you are, go and do this. We would never receive the instruction from God's Word until we would first, empowered by the reminder that we have God's Spirit and that we've been changed by His Spirit to become like the Lord Jesus Christ, to grow. But we also can deceive ourselves. The Bible says here that we deceive our own selves in verse 22. In James 1.26, he says he deceives his own heart. You know, if a Christian sins because Satan deceives him, it's one thing. But if we deceive ourselves, that's a far more serious matter. Many people are deceiving themselves into thinking that they're saved. The Bible tells us that many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have we not cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works, and I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. But there are true believers who fool themselves concerning their Christian walk. They think that they're mature or spiritual when they're not. You know, it's a mark of maturity for us to face ourselves honestly, to know ourselves, and to admit what our needs are. Sometimes we act as if we have no needs, but truly tonight, all of us, there's never a moment where we don't need Jesus. We all need the Lord. We all need His Spirit on a moment-by-moment basis. It's an immature person who pretends like Revelation 3 says, I'm rich and increased with goods, and I have need of nothing. And so James gives this spiritual maturity test for us, and that's what we're going to look at tonight a spiritual maturity test. What does it mean to be a mature believer? Because I believe that the whole letter is really about us being mature, what it looks like to be a mature believer. And so how do I know whether I'm a mature believer or not? Well, these 
these um, commands are given to us in verse number 19. He says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be what? First, swift to what? Hear. How many of you are ever told that you have two ears and one mouth so that you listen twice as much as you speak? Well, I think that there are probably other biological reasons for why you have two ears and one mouth, but I also understand the point that they're trying to make because it is the point that James is making. Be careful that you are a good listener. Now, it's not listening to anything that he's talking about. He's talking about listening to instruction from God's Word. He's talking to make sure that you are heeding what God's Word says. He says, let every one of us make sure that we're swift to hear. And so the first question in our spiritual maturity test tonight is this. How do I listen? How do I listen? Sometimes if we're being honest tonight, we do not listen to the voice of God because we're listening to too many other voices. It's not that God is not speaking, it's that we're not listening. God doesn't have a problem with speaking. He's spoken to us. As a matter of fact, It's not obscure to us what God is trying to say. Most of us, if we wanted to hear from God, we would know that we simply just need to open this and listen to what God has to say. I would challenge you when you read God's Word, sometimes if we're not careful, we read this for completion instead of for content. We're we're trying to get our reading done. Don't ever approach, you ever have a conversation with somebody and it seems like they're just trying to get done with the conversation? That's never enjoyable. You know, God is trying to speak to us. Our, our attitude towards His Word and to Him speaking to us should not be, I hope this is over soon. It's that we love Him and so we want to hear from Him. You know, when you love somebody, you want to hear what they have to say. You want to hear their words. And here's the truth. He loves us with an everlasting, perfect love. He knows what we need to hear. And often the problem is that we're not listening. Immature people don't take time to listen. They're always talking and never listening. The more and more we grow, the more listening that we do. How many have learned some really good truths in life because you stopped and listened to somebody who had some wisdom? We need to be careful what we listen to because there's a lot of things to hear. There's a lot of information to listen to. There's a lot of voices that are in our world. But he's saying, hey, listen, make sure when it comes to God's word and his speaking that you are swift, that you are diligent, that you are making this a point in your life to listen to the voice of God. You know, we have to be intentional about conversations, about our relationship with God. All relationships are dynamic. They're not static. They don't just sit in one spot. It's either you're growing or you're not. You're going backwards in your relationship. In your relationship with God, how do you listen? You ever have your spouse say to you, are you listening to me? You say, what? That's a weird way to start a conversation. Well, that's not where the conversation started. You weren't paying attention, right? Are you listening? God is wondering tonight, are you listening? Not to me, not to the, the messenger tonight, but to the message. Not to my voice, not to the presentation of the way that I'm saying it, but are you listening to what God's Word has to say? Because God has some things to say for your life. How many need wisdom tonight? Do you know that God gives it to us? But we have to come to Him and truly want it from Him. We can't come, as James said, with this wavering heart, this really, not not a desire to hear what God has to say, but really 
a, a desire for Him to tell us to do what we already want to. A lot of times it's what people want. They want to hear what they want to hear. They already have in their minds uh, what counsel they want to get, and so they know where to get that counsel. How many of you can find somebody on the internet to agree with you? Sometimes it's hard. There's a lot of disagreement, but most people don't go to the internet to hear an opposing voice. They usually go there to be affirmed. A lot of times people go to the Bible with the same idea. I have an idea. I have a desire. Let me find some biblical support for it. It's a bad way to come up with a message, but it's also a bad way to live your Christian life. You know, we should be going to the Word of God and getting direction. Thy Word is a what? A lamp to my feet. It's a light to my path. Uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart and what? Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will what? Direct your path. But you have to be listening to the directions. I'm glad when my wife rides with me because she reminds me what the GPS is saying. Even though the GPS is telling me, she also is telling me. I like that I'm getting the same direction. She doesn't, I don't know how I drive without her. She's always telling me, oh, but, but don't miss your turn here. Don't. And by the way, you know why sometimes... I miss the turn because I'm not paying attention. I'm listening, I'm distracted, I'm listening to what she's having to say or something else, and I'm not paying attention. You know, God is giving us direction. Are we listening? Spiritual maturity is seen in how well we listen. Secondly tonight, second question, the spiritual maturity test. How do I speak? The Bible says here, let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak. Now, let's be careful that we don't take this so literally that we think that God is telling us to speak slowly, although sometimes that is helpful. But he's saying, be slow, be hesitant when you talk, be careful when you speak, make sure that your words are seasoned with salt, that they minister grace to those that hear. How many have ever eaten something that's unseasoned? It's not very good. But if you've ever eaten from someone who knows how to season something, boy, it changes everything. It makes what you're taking in, even though we need to eat, it makes the process of nourishment far more enjoyable when the person who's giving me that nourishment knows how to season that food. Listen, if someone is speaking, it shouldn't just be that we are so quick to speak our truth and a lot of times, this is what Christians are doing in this world. We're yelling truth at the world, and we're not thinking about how we season our words and what we say. We're not being careful in how we place our words. You know, it's something interesting, because again, the mark of maturity is Christ, not me, not you. But when Jesus spoke, didn't they always marvel when He spoke? They marveled at how He spoke because He didn't speak like the Pharisees. He didn't speak like the religious leaders of his day. He spoke differently than them. He spoke powerfully. They marveled at the words he had to say. They tried to trap him so many times, but when he spoke, it was amazing. I mean, that started from when he was a child. When Jesus spoke, people listened to what he had to say. They didn't always like what he had to say, but they listened. But also the way that Jesus spoke. There was a way that Jesus spoke. And there were also times where Jesus didn't speak. Sometimes he stooped down on the ground and he wrote words in the sand. Sometimes he didn't answer them at all. Sometimes he walked away. Sometimes he engaged. But Jesus was a good example to us 
of how to speak. Later on in the text, it says, if anybody seems to be religious, but they don't know how to control their tongue, their religion is what? Vain. Wow. Meaning that I can undo all the good works that I'm doing through my speaking. I can rob people of the blessing of hearing the truth that I have because the way that I'm presenting that truth is not ingestible. It's not receivable. It's not given in a way that honors God. A mature believer learns to have his speech seasoned with God's grace. And how many know that seasoning something takes time? That slow cooker. You know, he's saying be swift to hear, slow to speak. How many know that it would have been better off in many times in your conversations with people had you taken 24 hours before you answered? You ever have that conflict and you feel that temperature rising within you and you know what you can say, you know how you can hurt that person, but you know what? If you just take time, you can remind yourself of who you are without Jesus Christ and how we should care for people and how we should love people, even people who hate us, who use us. Love your enemies. Do good to them that despitefully use you. Oh, that's, that's kingdom talk. That's not possible today. For as much as lies in you, Paul said, live, what? Peaceably with all men. Avenge not yourself, but rather give place unto wrath. For vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thy enemy hunger, what? Feed him. If he's thirsty, give him the drink. For in so doing thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. That's what God tells us. Now, these are instructions that God is telling to, to us because this is what it means to be like Jesus. This is what it means to be mature. Isn't it interesting how we often measure our spiritual maturity in very fleshly ways? How we look, how we carry ourselves, how much we know, how much we're known. You know, how, uh, how much production we're making, how are we producing results? The results that God cares about are the ones that He gives us in His Word. He wants us to be like His Son. That's the example that He gives us, that we should walk in His steps. And in maturity, we use words to build ourselves up. Mature believers learn the skillful use of words to build up others. I'm not talking about flattery. I'm talking about words that edify. That's what the word literally means. Good for the use of of edification. They build other people up. You know what I came to do tonight with the Word of God? Build you up. Why? Because you need to be built up. You know why? Because this world's going to try to tear you down. And you need to be built up. You need to be reminded. It takes skill to build up. Anybody can do demo work. I mean, anybody can do the damage of knocking things down and tearing things apart. But do we have the skillful use with our words that we can build other people up. It takes a slowness in our speech to do that. Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak. Slow to what? Wrath. The third question in our spiritual maturity test is this. How do I respond? You know, much of our life is not what we are doing, but what is done to us and how we respond to it. You know, as we think about our lives, this week... A lot of what we're going to have to do 
is measure our response. How do I respond to someone who's coming to me? How do I respond to that circumstance that's coming into my life? How am I responding to what's happening around me that's outside of my control? He's saying to be slow to what? To wrath. That we're to be slow. In the flesh we learn quickly that anger can be a way of controlling others and manipulating a situation to get our own way. We learn that really young. You never threw a temper tantrum, right? Boy, adults do. You ever watch a full-grown adult throw a temper tantrum? I'm not saying you've ever done it. I'm saying you've seen another adult do it. Someone else, someone that doesn't come to Sunday night church. We've seen other people. Listen, we know that in us is the capability and the ability to desire to manipulate other people to get our own way, and often we can use our wrath to do that. It's sad when people use the pulpit to do that. You know the Bible says here? The wrath of man doesn't work the righteousness of God. It's interesting. In other words, I can say something in wrath and pressure people to doing what I believe is righteous action. But the Bible says that my wrath cannot work his righteousness. And I'm not talking about being passionate about what God's word said. I'm talking about being a bully in the pulpit. I'm talking about being someone who is pressuring, pushing, prodding, hurting people and using a spiritual tone to do it. You know why we know that James is directly speaking to this? Because he talks about it in the chapter. He talks about it in the next chapter. The leaders, that not everybody in chapter 3, not many masters, knowing that we will receive the greater condemnation. He's talking to those who who preach and teach that not everybody should desire that office because not everybody's equipped or called to that office because you need to be careful because there's a greater condemnation to those who speak the word of God and don't do it the way that they should. Using wrath to manipulate people. We need to be careful that we don't use our wrath to manipulate situations or we don't bully other people. And, and by the way, we can see that in politics. It is a useful tool for politicians, isn't it? They're not even really debates, really. They're just name-calling back and forth, right? Eventually it gets to the point to where it's just personal attacks. And people love to watch those kind of fights. They're entertaining. We love even sometimes to get behind it and to encourage it. But you know what? Sometimes that creeps into the church and we start to behave that way. And we use our positions, we use our desires, we use our opinions and we use wrath to manipulate people, and we hurt people within the congregation, within the church, that we're supposed to be edifying and building up. Now let me be clear, edification is not always saying encouraging things. Sometimes edification is rebuke and correction. But rebuke and correction can always be done in love. It doesn't have to be abusive. That's where our our wrath gets in the way. You know, It's interesting when we, quote, be angry and sin not. It's always when we're angry, right? Well, my, it's not, it's not anger. It's righteous indignation. And we use things like our heritage or our background or the fact that we have a short fuse. But can I remind you, as we quoted this morning with the fruits of the Spirit, that the fruit of the Spirit is temperance. You know what that literally means? Not losing your temper. 
The worst thing you can lose is your temper. You're meant in God's spirit. God gives you the ability to control your temper. Don't lose your temper. And so often we'll, we'll give ourselves religious excuses for why we lose our temper, why we manipulate situations. How am I responding to that which is happening around me? Mature believers learn that their wrath doesn't produce God's will. There's one thing that people need to be afraid of. It's not my wrath, it's God's. But here's the truth tonight. Here's the gospel. Here's the good news. You don't have to face God's wrath because Jesus took all of God's wrath on Himself so that you could be saved. And so you're not under the wrath of God if you're a child of God. You've been rescued from the wrath of God. And now as His child, you know what you get? Yes, who the Lord loves, He corrects. But a parent who loves their child doesn't abuse their child. Sometimes we think of God punishing. God doesn't punish us. He punished Jesus on our behalf. God corrects us because He loves us. And He wants to build us up. And we're meant to be the same way in how we respond. How do I listen? How do I speak? How do I respond? Number four tonight. How do I handle my sin? How do I handle my sin? I'm not talking about how you handle someone else's sin or how you think someone else should handle someone else's sin. How do you handle your sin? You know, they say, hate the sin, love the sinner. The truth is, you should hate your own sin. A lot of times we're focused so much on the sins of others that we never judge ourselves. You know, we're meant to judge ourselves that we wouldn't be judged. We're called on a regular basis to confess our faults one to another. But sometimes we don't provide that culture within the church where we trust each other enough to confess our faults. You know, the gathering of the church is not meant to be an exercise of fraud. What does that mean? We're not coming to fake it for 45 minutes or an hour and then go back and live our lives. We're supposed to be real with each other. Do you sin? I sure do. Don't ever have me back. We all sin. It's the truth. How about this? We all struggle with sin. You know, the only reason why I struggle is because I got God's Spirit. I didn't used to struggle. When I didn't have God, I didn't care if I sinned. You know why I struggle? Because I've got God's Spirit. And God wants me to overcome these things, repent, turn away from these things. But you know what we need? We need each other to be accountable to each other. There are people in this room that are struggling with the same sins that you struggle with. You know how helpful it is when we're honest? We just say, yeah, I'm struggling with this. You know, it gives sometimes somebody the freedom to speak about what they struggle with and get freedom from that. How many believe the Holy Spirit can give you freedom over your sin? Boy, God can help us, can't He? And He wants to. But sometimes if we're not careful, we come together and we, we pretend as if we haven't sinned. And what does John tell us? If we say that we have no sin, we're a liar and the truth is not in us. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have what? Fellowship one with another. Because the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, has cleansed us from all, all our sin. If we confess our sins, 
He is what? Faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How many glad tonight that if you confess your sin, He is faithful and just to forgive you. You know why He's just? Because of Jesus. It is just for God to forgive you because Jesus paid your sin debt. But He's also faithful to do it. What does it mean? Every single time you come. But He doesn't just want constant confession, does he? He wants us to handle it in a way that we turn away from it, that we repent of it, that we get victory over it. I hope tonight that you'd say this, as I mature and grow as a believer, it's not that I'm ever going to be sinless, but that I do sin less. I get victory over. I'm not stuck in habitual sin. And sometimes we prop up our pride and our sinfulness when we come together because we pretend as if we have no sin. James spoke about this in a way of those that are hearers of the word, but what? Not doers of the word. You know it's a sin not to obey God, right? Sometimes we listen to the word of God, but we don't do what it says. It's the same thing as hearing a prescription, but not taking the medication. It has no effect until it's applied, until it's activated, until it's taken in. God wants us to handle our sin as mature believers. Being mature doesn't mean you never make a mess. It means that you know how to get clean when you do. When you were a baby, someone had to clean you all the time. If you have small children, you know that kids know how to make a mess. As you mature and grow, what do you see in maturity? It's not that you don't ever get dirty. It's that you desire to be clean, and you know how to clean yourself. You want to be clean. How many ever got to that point where your teenagers got old enough where they wanted to take a shower? You know, you didn't resist the bath. You didn't resist the washing. You didn't have to be reminded to wash your hands. You didn't have to be reminded to to clean yourself. Mature believers get messy, but they know how to clean themselves. How many thankful for the washing of the water of the Word? Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy Word is truth. Boy, God's Word can clean us. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. How do we handle our sin? And then lastly tonight, how do I receive God's word? How do I receive God's word? He finishes verse number 21 with this. Lay apart all filthiness, superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the what? The engrafted word which is able to save your souls. It takes meekness to receive God's Word. Jesus said, blessed are the meek. Jesus was the perfect example to us of meekness. Meekness is what? Power under control, not weakness. Jesus was always, always doing the will of the Father. He was submissive to the Father. 
He was in His Spirit, controlled by the Spirit. He says to us, what? Be filled with the Spirit and go walk in the Spirit and you won't fulfill the lusts of your flesh. How do I receive God's Word? Do my feelings take precedence over the truth of it? I know what God's Word says, but I feel, I think, and often we'll give an opinion, and we put our opinion on the same level of what God's Word says. You know, the truth is tonight that my opinion does not matter. It matters even less when it comes behind, from behind the pulpit. What matters tonight is what God's Word says. That's what matters. That's what builds us up. That's where the power is. That's where the freedom is. That's where the bonds are broken. And you know what I have to lay aside as a mature believer? I have to learn to lay aside my feelings. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings tonight by giving you what God's Word says. But sometimes, let's be honest, God's Word may hurt our feelings. But better to have hurt feelings than hopeless lives. Better for us to to allow the, the wound from a friend to help us to correct us, to instruct us, to compel us to live in a way that brings honor and glory to God. Your feelings will fail you, but faith in God never will. Trusting in God never will. My feelings often lead me astray, but God's Word has never led me in the wrong direction. How do I receive God's Word? Do my feelings take precedence over it? Do I accept it? That's what that word meekness, receive it with meekness. Do I accept it or do I argue with it? If I'm arguing with God's word, I'm not meek. If I'm arguing with God's word, I'm not meek. Meekness is I'm accepting God's word. I'm receiving God's word with meekness, able to be entreated, able to be taught, able to be trained. Sometimes we believe or we think that spiritual maturity is knowing everything. That spiritual maturity is always having an answer for everything. Always being able to say something. But you know what spiritual maturity is? Being able to be taught. Being able to be entreated. Be able to have the conversation, especially if it challenges you with the truth of God's Word. Because all of us tonight need to grow, don't we? How many would admit that? You don't have to raise your hand, but in your heart tonight. God, I need to grow up. There are areas in my life where I'm not like you, and I need to grow. I've been comparing myself in the wrong way. I've been deceiving myself into thinking that my Christian walk, that I was spiritual, that I was mature because I was ticking some boxes. And that's the wrong test. But God, help us to take the test that you give us in your word and judge ourselves in light of that. Because as we look into the perfect law of liberty, it reveals to us who we truly are. Do you believe that this is quick and powerful? Sharper than a two-edged sword? What is it? It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intentions of my heart. This does a better job discerning me than my own heart and mind. I've got blind spots. This has no blind spots. 
God's Spirit is able to show us where our blind spots are and where we need to grow. Father, tonight as we close, I pray that you'd help us. As your people, the sheep of your pasture. God, we've come together tonight to consider what your word says, but not just to be hearers of it, deceiving ourselves, but to take action in obedience, even at this very moment. May you challenge us by your spirit as we consider and meditate on your truths to begin to obey you even in this moment, to lay aside our sin and the weights that easily beset us and to focus where we should in the right place, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. God, I pray that we would compare ourselves to you tonight. And then the thank you that you've given us of your spirit, that we can be full of your spirit, that we can be like you. God, as a church, I pray that you'd help us to measure spiritual maturity in a way that you do. Not in the superficial ways that we often do. God, help us not to be frauds, hypocrites, as the Pharisees were. But God, help us truly to be honest with each other, to love each other, to edify each other in how we hear and how we speak and how we respond and how we deal with our sin and how we receive your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you can give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.